The following for the city sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. So we've been, we've been working our way through Luke and, uh, and we're going to be in chapter 8. We're going to be in chapter 8 this whole month. Okay, last week we dipped our toe in the water. We looked at the first three verses, really, and we saw, if you remember, what we had there is we had the apostles, and then we also saw this list of, of women who are gospel ministers who are working and co-laboring with Jesus, right, in proclamation and in, in bankrolling the thing, right? They're writing checks, and they're making sure that Jesus got all the things he needs to make sure he's doing the thing, right, the mission, and they're all working that gospel field. Well, today, I think you're going you're to see Jesus is going to turn to the crowd, and he's going to make sure that you're picking up what he's laying down, right? So, so think about it. I think you and I could agree it's really important how we listen. Would you agree with that? But not everything has the same level of importance, okay? Right? Like, so for instance, you might meet someone on a Sunday morning, and you're like, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. What's your name? And before they even say it, you're already thinking about the next thing you're going to say, and they say their name, and you have no clue what their name is. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, so you're not doing a good job of hearing there, right? And so then next Sunday, you, you do the same thing. Next Sunday, you might even do the same thing. Generally, if you see them for four Sundays, you're not doing the same thing because now you're embarrassed. You actually don't know their name. And if you're like me, you might go creep on them like on Facebook or some other social media thing. And you're like, there they are. And now I might actually like, be, like, ask you to be my friend. Why? So I can see your face, see your name, and pray for you. Because now I can remember. But just flying by, sometimes those names zing right past my ears, right? Um, how about instructions from a flight attendant? Has to be the worst job ever, right? Especially if you're sitting in the seat where, like, life depends upon you, which, which is what I want because I want to stretch out my legs. I remember going to Israel. This is a long flight. I got long legs. I want those seats, and I don't have money for first class, okay? That's almost first class, though. But they're like, listen, if this plane goes down, I'm like, we're all dead. Let's be real. We're all dead, right? I'm not even listening to you. I'm tuning you out. They're like, well, your flotation device, come on, let's be real. The chances of that being needed are slim to none. So I've already got my earbuds in. I'm a bad, bad boy, right? Like, I should listen. I don't, right? I'm hoping the person next to me. But how about police? How about police in a moment where they tell you to drop the object? Oh, now we're getting a little more serious. You better listen because there could be some serious consequences to you not listening. All right. We could go on and on. But how about the Word of God? How, how about the Word of God? If, if not listening to the police officer has big consequences, how about not hearing the Word of God? Well, I think you'll see they have eternal consequences. Let's look at Luke 8, 4 through 8. So it says, and when a great crowd, now, now we don't have to speculate why we got a great crowd here, right? Jesus is healing folks. He's, he's telling people that are dead not to be dead anymore, right? Like it's been pretty stunning wherever he goes, everywhere he goes, seems to be a little bit of controversy and he's just so sharp that everywhere he goes. And, and if you remember where we left off last week, we have this woman and she sees she understands. She is so overcome by Jesus, she's worshiping at his feet, right? So there's a crowd, and the people from town to town after town came to him. And he said in a parable, now listen, here's the parable. A sower, right, is someone who's throwing seed, right? Not thread and needle, right? But someone who's just scattering seed, right? Went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. And he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's it. Just imagine, you're in the crowd, right? Jesus, this is, that's his story. You're like, thanks for the agricultural moment, Jesus. 
And then he says, those who have ears, and you're like, I'm looking around. I mean, there might be a couple people. I remember preaching this one time and saying, everybody here has ears. And I had a mom come up and tell me my daughter doesn't. I'm like, oh, gosh, I feel awful. I feel awful. I remember that moment. But she, she goes, don't worry. She can hear. She has technology in her head. I'm like, well, I don't even know what that means, but okay. Right? I'm looking around. I see ears. I'm assuming, by the way, if you don't have ears, I'm not picking on you. I'm assuming you have ears. I'm assuming everyone in that crowd has ears. What in the world? Those who have ears, let him slash her hear. Now just think about, that is the parable, by the way. If that's all you got, you're like, oh, I know exactly what it means. You know exactly what it means because you kept reading. You may not know exactly what he meant. And he's, he's, so there, picture it. Picture it. This crowd has to be scratching their head a little bit, right? As we've come to expect, Jesus, he's not always impressed by large crowds. <laughs> he's really not. He would befuddle all the church growth experts, right? Who just says, if you build it, they will come. And a big crowd means amazing things. Well, maybe for Barnum and Bailey. But, but listen, he's not impressed. Which, by the way, you should remember, a large crowd does not always mean great things are happening. Even if it's a large crowd in the name of Jesus. Now we just we pray that's the case. We hope that's the case. Let us never be cynical. But, but we don't always know if that's the case, right? Um, and so anyone can, can gather a large crowd, right? If the payoff's good. If the payoff's good, right? If you'll offer what they desire. Right? I see this all the time. Now, not many churches will give away like cars, like it's Oprah, like you get a car and you get a car. That might happen. But there are times where you'll hear some prosperity preaching where they'll promise you some health. And they'll promise you that all your relationships will work out the way you expected them to. They'll turn everything on you instead of magnifying Christ. And that's in order to gather a really large crowd, right? We just had this thing where everybody's wondering, is what's going on in this college a revival? We don't know. We don't know. There are people there, I guarantee that God's working in their hearts and in their minds. Praise God for that. But there are many people who may want to go and get a selfie. They may have wanted to go to make sure that when their kids are born, they can talk about that they were there for the great revival. Now, in all of that, we don't know and we don't need to know. We just pray, Lord, we're excited that your word, if it's going out, is going out. We trust that you're doing good work here. Why? Because anytime your word is proclaimed and people are there to be able to hear, we can trust that you're doing good work. So we don't need to be cynical. We praise God for that. We thank God that people were gathering for that. But Jesus, once again, listen, he's not okay with just a bunch of people hanging out. Right? People, people love a gospel, a good news, right? As long as it's the good news they define. This happens all the time. We, we make the story and the glory of God's word about us. But if you read the Bible, you can't get away from the fact it's about him. And that's good news for you, by the way. You want a God who's about himself when, when he is the God, the only God, right? And so here he is, and Jesus is the forever teacher. He's not concerned about an agricultural moment, right? He's not talking about harvesting strategies, but he shares a parable. What is Jesus concerned about? He's concerned about this ever-increasing, let's say, crowd or this audience understanding what he's saying. Right? He's concerned to make the, the crowds understand that his message demands a response. His message not only is to be heard, is to be believed, is to be internalized, is to be obeyed, and that brings about transformation, that brings about a fruitful life. That's his concern. He's not excited about people who are just around to hype him up. He doesn't need hyped up. He has angels to do that forever. Right? So he tells a parable. Tells a parable. What's a parable? Um, the literal meaning is to cast alongside. Does that help you? Me neither. <sighs> so I've heard it said, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That helps me, right? That helps me. And, I, and as you will hear today, and going forward, by the way, 
Jesus has told some parables, but this is like the mother of all parables. So you better have your thinking caps on today. And I'm, I'm serious, right? You better be paying attention because this sets the stage for many parables that are to come through the Gospel of Luke. And if you're like, well, today is not the day for me to pay attention, go back and listen to it. Seriously, and I'm, that's okay. There's times where you just you can't. You might be here and you might have a migraine and you just can't hear. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I pray that the Lord helps you. Go back and listen to it. There's no shame in that. But pay attention. Okay, why? Because what you're going to understand is that parables place the burden on the listener. Oh, pressure. Parables place, they, they, they put the burden on those who are hearing. Those who are hearing. So the question becomes, what will they make of what they hear? Just as above, right? As, as we think about the parable that he just gave. Imagine they're working through, like, what's he talking about? They're, they're probably scratching their head. They're having conversation among themselves. Those who have ears, let them hear. I have ears. I'm hearing. I don't know that I understand. I'm not even a farmer. I'm not even a farmer. Why is he telling me that? Right? Well, okay, let's, let's keep thinking before we get the answer. Thankfully, on this one, Jesus gives us the answer. So here's a quote that will hopefully help you. As I was studying this week, it was helpful to me. For this reason, and I quote, here you go, parables are not used by speakers who wish to control listeners by telling them exactly what to think and to do. And why parables are not well received by persons who wish to be told directly what to think, to believe, and to do, right? You ever met that person? That's the Pharisee, by the way. Just tell me what to do. Give me some law, right? Okay, that's the end of that quote. So, so what does the parable of the sower mean, right? If it's not meant to control us and tell us exactly, well, thankfully, guess what? The, the disciples are like, I don't know what he's saying. And they ask, and Luke records it, right? So let's pick it up, verse 9, ready? And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant. By the way, should be a good clue that not always, when we come to the Word of God, are things easy, not always easy. If it's easy, most often you're conforming the Word of God to your pattern of thinking. Almost always. You've got to come to the Word of God, and you have a theological framework, and you should, but many times if you come to the Word of God with your th theological framework, you'll make that text fit your framework. There's times where it needs to shatter your framework and make it a biblical framework. The, the Word is going to... It's going to interrupt you at times. It's going to confound you. It's going to, it's going to cause you challenges. Well, be like the disciples and go to the one and ask him for help. You, Jesus mediates the relationship between the Father and those who believe. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me. Help me understand. That's a good rule of thumb. But notice this. Bless you. Bless the rest of you. All right. Notice the language, though. We're getting introduced to insider-outsider language. There's a little bit of a turn in the Gospel of Luke in this text, okay? Insider-outsider language. What I mean by that, those disciples who are really Jesus' disciples, they're inside the kingdom, right? You're going to see that in a moment. There are those who are in the crowd, but they're not picking up what Jesus is laying down. They're outside the kingdom, okay? So you're going to see that. So they go to Jesus, and he says, to you... The disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So you hear the insider-outsider language? Right? For you, you, you get it because I'm giving it to you. But there are those who don't actually get it. Right? So that, now listen to this language. Seeing, they may not see. And hearing, they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. Okay, pay attention. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, right? And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the one on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, received it with joy. But these having no root, they believed for a while, and in time testing, they fell away. And as for those who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, 
They are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast, right? They hold it fast in an honest and a good heart and bear fruit. Notice the language, with patience. Don't miss that without patience. It's with patience, right? Don't leave that off. The reason I tell you that is because when you look at the disciples' lives, you can almost see them in every one of these stages. Right? Jesus, right? He's about to be crucified. They all fall away. So you should never look at someone and say, well, I just know what's going on in somebody's heart. You have no clue what's going on in somebody's heart. Right? Time will tell, but you should be patient. Why? Because you'll know. There will be a day you'll know, but you don't always know right now what God's doing in somebody's heart. All right? So, here you go. That's, that's the answer. The parable of the sower is, man, it, so many times I've heard this preached, it's a moralistic teaching. Right? Have you ever heard that? Ugh. What do I mean by that? Um, it's about preparing the heart, the soil of the heart. Right? Uh, yeah. Right? That's so gross. It's so gross. Why? Because that has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about right here. Now, you might be able to draw implications of this text for a believer and draw that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about right here. I'm going out on a limb and saying that's not at all what he's saying. Why? Because he doesn't say anything about that. Instead, it's providing an explanation for the wide range of responses that are happening to Jesus' ministry. Right? They're wondering what's going on. Why is it that Simon the Pharisee isn't responding like the woman who's cracking open the alabaster and worshiping you? Why isn't that happening, Jesus? Are you not being clear? Why isn't... I mean, this guy's a God-fearer. No, not necessarily. He's telling them. The reason she's worshiping is she has a good heart. Who gave her that good heart? Not her. Not her. Why isn't he? Well... We don't know yet. Simon may have been a believer later on in life, but he's trying to give an explanation. This seed, I'm just casting the word out. And here's why these different responses are happening. You see that? I don't think that's a stretch. That's exactly what the text is saying. I mean, if you've been paying attention here each Sunday at For the City Church, it appears that the wrong people seem to be getting the message. And the right people, quote-unquote, are missing it entirely. Right? Like, what more does he have to do? Why? Why is that? Well, the scripture, this scripture helps us to understand that Jesus, in his preaching and in his teaching, right, it's not the super smart, it's not the super religious, it's not those who perceive themselves to be all that in a bag of chips who are getting it, right? But it's those who are humble enough to hear. And you shouldn't press it more than that. Why? Because the text doesn't press it more than that. This is where people start to shove in a whole bunch, well, they're predestined and all these different things. You shouldn't do that. Why? Because it's not in the text. We don't know. Are you okay with mystery? If not, the, the Word of God is going to bother you. Notice the emphasis on hearing. Verse 8, verse 10, verse 12, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, verse 18, verse 21. It's all through it, right? That's why I have the clever uh, title of the sermon. You heard? <laughs> Right? Exclamation point, meaning you heard. You heard? Probably not. Probably not. Right? That took me a long time to come up with. Very creative. <laughs> I got one point. Why? Because I think the text has one point. Ready? Be careful how you hear. Because the Word of God is always at work. It's always at work. It's always doing what Christ has sent it out to do. That's going to cause you a problem. Good, I got more to come. All right, so what do we learn here? Listening's not a passive manner. It's, it's not a passive matter. Like, how you hear the Word of God determines everything. It really does. Many of the tax collectors and sinners, they hear the Word of God, they humble themselves at Jesus' feet, and in gratitude, they follow Him, they provide for His mission, they join Him in the life and the work that He's doing. Think Think of the men and the women from the first three verses in this chapter, right? They're responding appropriately, in faith, in a, in a good way. But so far, the Pharisees and the scribes, they hear the word of God. They not only reject the message, they reject the man. They reject Christ. 
Why? Don't you find it crazy? He's healing people. He's raising the dead. He's, he's dining with sinners. He's full of truth. He's full of grace. He's full of love. They hate him. They want to kill him. Why? Why is it that the same audience hear and some do not? They're all hearing. But why do some hear in faith and some do not? Is it intelligence? Is it sin? Was Jesus not clear? Did he need to contextualize the gospel better so that the people could hear? You can't be more contextualized. Jesus is a Jew preaching to Jews. So, so what is it? Well, well, notice, you don't have to guess. The disciples, you and I, if you're in Christ, if you're trusting and believing in Jesus, have received a rare gift. We've received a rare gift. To, to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. It's been given to you. See it? It's right there in the text. It's been given to you. Jesus was speaking the gospel truth to them, giving them the power to comprehend, opening the ears of their hearts, so to speak. And by the way, see that word secrets, right? So like, I have a secret. Right? That's not what it means. These, these things are called secrets, not because they're obscure or unclear. Right? But because they can only be known if God reveals them to you. Okay? That, that's what it means. We are a people, as a gospel people, as Christians, who believe in revelation, not evolution. Right? I, I evolve my way to God. I evolve my way to enlightenment. I evolve my way to this, ooh, this, this moment of understanding. That's all garbage. It's, it's, it's all garbage. What color are my socks this morning? Great guess, but you don't know. You don't know. How will you know? All right, ready? Boom! You win. You win. You win nothing, though. I have no prizes for you. Right? But she don't know unless it's revealed to her. Same way it is for you and I. Christ has come to reveal what? Who? God. He is the Word of God in the flesh, and He has come to show you what God is like. You ever wonder what God's like? Look to Christ. So many people like to, to put this, like, well, God of the Old Testament was a grouchy old man, but Jesus is super enlightened. He's huggable and lovable. Jesus says, I'm the exact imprint of my Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And if you want to go to my Father, you must come through me. There is no other way. Uh, that's the sound you hear if you don't believe that. <laughs> Give that boy a prize. Right? Revelation. We need revelation. So, so this is why there should be no proud believers. Not if you understand the gospel. The only reason you believe, if you do believe, is because God in His kindness has revealed Himself to you. He has shown you the secrets, which is why the posture should be every Sunday. I don't care if you're in already. God, show me more of your beauty. Because apart, we're so desperate for the Spirit to do a miracle in your heart and in your mind to see Him. Because I'm telling you right now, if you see Him properly, all the rest of your life gets worked out. Everybody says, well, I don't know how to get my sin under control. Well, we can talk about strategies, but what you need is you need to see. Because if you see Christ as gorgeous and beautiful as he is, and you might think, that's weird for a man to say that God is gorgeous. No, he's stunning. He's far more beautiful than I can understand or even comprehend. And when I see him rightly, sin just appears to be exactly what it is. Disgusting. I want your ways. Why? Because this is where life is. This is where beauty is found. I didn't see that because I got great sight. I see that because God in his kindness continues to just reveal more. And you're going to see that in the text. So, so let's keep working. Let's keep working. So you see because it's been given to you. But, but notice, for others, the, the, the parables are going to serve almost as a, 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 a barrier to truth. A barrier to truth. Look at the, at the end of verse 10. Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, 9. Right? Now, if you remember... Great. If not, you should go and read that account. But it's where we find Isaiah's stunning encounter with the holiness of God in the temple. Okay? And, and this is, he's quoting that text, but let's get our mind in that context just for a minute. 
So I'm going to read Isaiah 6.1. It says, In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And this is a pretty awe-inspiring moment. Now, the result of this holy confrontation is Isaiah's call and his acceptance. And what I mean by call is his call to be a prophet for God. Now listen, you guys probably know this verse. It's on a lot of fridges, right? And eagles with, with sunsets and all the things. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Right? You've all heard that. Most of you anyway. But now listen. I think we're like that. We're like, yeah, here I am, Lord. Send me. But let's keep reading. Because this is followed by the oddest commission ever given to a prophet in my opinion right at least as it appears on the surface because Isaiah his his commission I'll say it my way is you're going to go spit in the wind that sounds fun you ever try that we had some 70 mile an hour wind right if it's blowing in your face ah right you get the point pretty nasty right but listen to what it says in verse 9 and 10 of Isaiah 6 and and he said Right? God said, go and say to this people. And he's talking to Israel. He's talking to this stubborn people. You go and talk to them. And you say this. Ready? Here's your message. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. <laughs> you never see that on a fridge. Oh, how did Isaiah obey this command? Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't by preaching obscure sermons, it wasn't by giving complex reasoning. No, on the contrary, if you read Isaiah, he put forth the truth of God's word in very plain preaching, systematic thinking, and and in a very reasoned way. And, and, and listen, Isaiah fulfilled his commission. What was his commission? To blind and harden the people, to show them they're blind, to show them they're hardened, to show them you want nothing with God. I can make it as clear as possible. Your heart's the problem, not your hearing. You're stubborn, right? And they reject it. And when they reject it, he kept preaching it, kept making it more clear. And they kept on making excuses, but there was no excuse to be found. He made it clear. And now in the same way, there's going to be those who hear Jesus in a physical sense in this gospel and even in this room, possibly, but they never truly hear him in a spiritual sense. What more can he do? He lived a perfect life. He died the death you deserve to die. He triumphantly resurrected from the grave. And we say, well, I just need some more proof. And, and, and you might say, well, I didn't see that. But you have 500 people who had seen that. We learned in 1 Corinthians. There were many people who saw this. And the Pharisees, they see it. And they still reject them. You didn't believe Isaiah. You're not going to believe me. It ain't because I'm not being clear, he's saying. It's because you don't want me. Oh. Whew. The sound of Jesus often reaches people's ears, but it, the beauty and the power of Jesus' message never reaches the heart. That's the problem. Why? Because you don't want him. You, you don't want him. It's not because he's not being clear. Look, let's notice the, the four soils. And by the way, those soils, right, in case you're not connecting all the dots, it's, it's the heart. It's the who you are, right? The story's not really about the seller at all. Not really. It's about the listener, the hearer. So first one, right, I'm just going to title it as hard and an indifferent heart, right? You see that. Those along the path, they are those who have heard. The devil comes and takes it away from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, here's the thing, though. This is a tricky one because what you're hearing is that there is a spiritual battle happening anytime the Word of God is proclaimed. Always. Everything that's happening in the Word of God is a spiritual moment. And, and you have an enemy. And he hates you. And he's real and he's present. Some people, some churches, they, they elevate this too far and they, it starts to become bizarro land, like the twilight zone. But other churches never talk about Satan. The Bible talks often 
right? So, so he, he comes and he snatches the word away from you. But often it's because if, if it's like me, man, I would go to church. I was very hard-hearted. Some of it's because of suffering. We don't know why people are hard-hearted. You should be very careful to just say, well, what's their problem? They might have many. Might be because they have many sins that they're not willing to give up. It could be that. It could be just a cold unbelief, right? But, but here's the thing. You have a real enemy. So I, I'm not going to talk a ton about this. There's so much that could be said. But let's keep moving. The second one is a shallow and superficial heart, right? The ones on the rock are like those who, when they hear the Word of God, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Because, but they, these, have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Now, this could be someone who, who maybe has an emotional response. I used to take teens to a conference that we stopped taking them to. Um, and the reason was it was emotional manipulation. Um, it, they would get them all fired up right? And, and it was in a tissy, man. And then they would do this moment where it's like, come and receive Jesus or raise your hand or tell somebody or do nothing. We just want numbers. They didn't say that part. But they would all get excited and because all their friends were there, they would then do it. But then soon as Monday morning came, man, that joy was gone because they really didn't want Jesus. They wanted to be accepted and in the club, right? Now, the beauty is, is God will work in spite of that, but we stopped going because I thought it was, it was not healthy for our young teens to take them to, to very confusing things like that, just to get numbers and notches on the belt. Well, I think we see that here. But how about this one? I think this is one that, that is most folks. It, it, why? Because I think I know me, and I don't think we're all that different. And we're going to call it a preoccupied or distracted heart. I think you'll see this most often throughout the Gospels. As for those, uh, and, okay, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit doesn't mature, right? You have no margin in your life to think, to meditate, to consider the word. That's what's needed with a parable like this. You, you got to shut it down in, in your mind and go for a walk, whatever, however you can hear, because you can read the Bible all the time and not hear. All the time, right? You can be preoccupied with even good things. Careers and relationships, sports activities for your children. And all those things can be good, but they can't be ultimate. When they become ultimate, that's when it becomes a problem. Like, many times we're so exhausted, we just want to tune out. So we'll do the TikTok thing or all these different things. I'm not picking on any of those things per se. I'm just saying, often we're so distracted. Right? We're just so distracted. So as we look at those, let's say, different soils of the heart, this is a good time to be introspective. Now, not in a, in a really weird way where you're like staring at the, the lint in your navel and you're like, oh, I looked at TikTok for 22 minutes, I know, because I have an app that tells me how long I looked at it. If you need to do that, do that. I'm not saying that's probably even helpful. I'm just saying it's, it's a good time to look at this and be honest before the Lord. Be honest before the Lord. How are you hearing? Pastor Scott didn't entertain me this morning. It's not my job to entertain you. How are you hearing? I mean it. Like this matters. Why? Because God loves you. God loves you. And he desires for you to hear from him. To know him. Intimately. Right? So, so how are you hearing? The teaching and preaching of the Word of God is always working. Know that. It's always working. It's, it's working in bringing about a merciful salvation, or it's causing frustration sometimes in order to cause you to seek and, and further, let's say, what is he saying? To cause you a little you know, interruption in your life, to cause you a little, like put a stone in your shoe, you're bothered by it when you leave you know, the, the gathered worship. That's why it's so important. Sunday mornings are so important that you center your week around these things. But sometimes it's just, and I, I don't get any pleasure of saying this, further evidence for judgment. Oh, you, you didn't give me enough. I gave you my son. You didn't, you didn't make it clear. He resurrected from the grave. I gave you my word. I gave you preachers. I gave you friends who love the Lord. 
So many times we interact with people in our lives and we're like, what am I doing wrong? Maybe you're doing nothing wrong. Be patient. Be patient. And just take the seed. Keep on scattering. You don't get to do the miracle grow part. One scatters, one waters. God gives the growth. Glory to be to God. But be faithful. See, see, just on the surface, this kind of teaching is probably problematic for a handful of you. It should be problematic for all of you, but some of you probably already worked through it as you've thought about the Lord. Because you, you might consider wrongly that Jesus is a little cold-hearted here. Right? As if Jesus was indifferent towards the spiritual well-being of others. But actually, in all reality, this quote from Isaiah is meant to have an effect of shocking the crowd into waking up and hearing. That's what Jesus, he's such a good preacher, like the best, right? He knows exactly what he's doing. He, he, he knows when he says that, they're going to they're gonna understand we're being hard-hearted. That's the point of Isaiah. And he's going to say, you better humble yourself and open up your ears and quit thinking you know everything. That's really, I mean, that's, that's the moment that's happening. Now, in order to help us interpret this text, Luke continues, and, and it might seem like, oh, this is a different story. It's not. So look at 16 through 18. He, Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. But he puts it on a stand. Why? So that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. He says, listen, you listen, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has more revelation, right, will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Now, here's the thing. Lots of people say, well, this is for the disciples. I would disagree with that. I had to think long, hard, pray, listen to Orthodox people to find some people where I think this is. And I feel safe saying, I think this is about Jesus absolutely the light right this little candle imagine a candle that's about the light that's being in that time in that little way would be shown grasp what's being said the parable is not meant to hide truth but to display it now you're going to find smart people that disagree with me i'm glad to be wrong but i can't get away from what the text says he says no one hides it i'm not hiding truth it's on display. Here it is. I'm not putting it under a jar. I'm not putting it under a bed. I'm putting it on a stand so you can see what's being said. God has not hidden the light of the good news under a jar or a bed. He has sent Jesus, who is the Word, His Son, to reveal the secrets of the kingdom. That's why when we get into the letters of, of Paul, the mysteries of the gospel have now been revealed. Revealed. He's not playing hide and seek with truth. He's saying you just don't want to see it. It's, what it's revealing is it's revealing their hard hearts. It's actually revealing all their hearts, good or bad, or in between. What it's doing is revealing hearts, whether the hearers will be truly receptive to the teaching. Jesus' parable makes it clear that unbelief of the listeners is not caused by the obscurity of the parables, but by an unreceptive, rebellious heart. you got no one to blame but you. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying in that moment to these people. The light and truth of God's Word illuminates the truth for some, and it highlights the dark shadows in their hearts for others. It's just showing. Here's what's going on. It's like a diagnostic test, right? It's like going to get a CAT scan. It's just showing what's happening in that, in that person. So don't miss the warning. Take care then. He's talking to his disciples. Take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. Why? Because to the one who has, well, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Which, by the way, time goes fast here, by the way. i, I got to tell you, I hate that clock. <sighs> this is why I think it's crazy that Christians will listen to people like Jordan Peterson to learn the book of Exodus. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. 
the man doesn't see. He doesn't know Jesus is Messiah. But he's really smart, and he understands Exodus. He don't understand anything if he doesn't understand Exodus is all about Jesus. The Lamb of God who comes and takes away the sins of the world. He might understand some amazing Hebrew insight, but he doesn't see the plainest thing. Why would you go to him to listen? I only say that because I know a lot of people who do. Now you could probably learn something. But why? Like, hey, I don't know the main point of the story. Follow me. Why? What do you have? You don't get it. You don't get it, right? Now, you could, you could think about that in a ton of different ways. So you should be careful about who you hear, who you listen to. Now, I'm not saying you can't listen to some obscure people, but you better have more truth and information coming in than nonsense coming in. Many people think they're very discerning, and, and, and the fact that they think that they're not. You're being led astray, but you don't know it. You don't know it because boats never know when they're drifting. You just look up and you're like, where are we? And this is happening all over the place as we sit under teaching. You know, it used to be a time pastor only had to worry about the preachers and the teachers in the actual town, right? Now, you have to worry about every Tom, Dick, and Harry, Suzanne on the internet. Why? Because everybody's seeking to get their message out. The question is, does their message match the truth of God's word? And if not, why give them an audience? I don't understand it. That's, I say that because it, it makes me sad to see people give so much attention to people who should be turned from. And it's dangerous for you. It's dangerous for me to continually listen to that kind of nonsense. Okay. But we have these other few verses. Right? Ready to look at that? We're, we're going to do this. We're going to land on time, Lord willing. Luke 8, 19 through 20. It says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd, right? Remember the dude who had, he was on a, on a mat. He had some friends, each corner, dragging him on a mat, carrying him on a mat, ripping off the roof, dropping him down in for some healing. Now you have Jesus' mom. You have Mary and some siblings, right? His brothers, his brothers, by the way, shows, this may not mean anything to you, but it does mean something to my, let's say, recovering Catholic friends. Mary didn't remain a virgin. In fact, if you don't need that, that's okay. But, but some of you do because they, they would say, Mary's always been a virgin. Mm, no, no. That's the tricky thing about the Bible. It will correct your thinking if you'll hear his mother and his brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because there's this crowd. They're trying to get to him. And he was told, right, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Now, here's where people shove a lot of things in. We don't know his tone here. Let's assume that he definitely didn't sin. That's not an assuming. That's a fact, right? But let's, let's think his posture towards them was actually kind. Matthew gives a different tale, but he says this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. I don't think it has much to do about his immediate family. I think it has everything to do with those who are hearing the word of God properly. What he's doing is he's elevating them. Oh yeah, Mary, you have been healed from all these demons. You're my family. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. He's, he's saying that, that those who are, are trusting and believing in me, they're, my, they're my, he, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. He's elevating his disciples. He's saying, you're my family. Yeah, they're my family. Maybe. Now we know Mary was a believer and we know that James and, and some of his other brothers, at first they wrestled, right? Imagine how hard it is to try to convince your brother that you're God. I grew up with you, bro. Like, I remember. We weren't, you're not all that in a bag of chips, right? So they, but they would come around. He's not necessarily talking about them. He's saying, listen, disciples, you're my mother. You're my brothers. You're my family. Now, he's saying it to you if you're in Christ. He's saying it to you. Oh, 
So many times we make our identity about things that have nothing to do with what God has given us. There is no greater thing than the fact that you, by God's grace, if you have trusted and believed in Jesus Christ for your salvation, repented of your sins, are sons and daughters of the living God. I'm a janitor. Well, you, that might describe what you do, but that's not who you are. You, by God's grace, if you're trusting in Christ, are a son, a daughter of, of the God most high. That's, that's stunning. This is the exclamation point on his teaching, by the way. Right? It's clear that it's not enough just to hear the word. It's not even enough to acknowledge the truth of the message and passively agree with the words that are being conveyed in a cold way. Oh yeah, I believe. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Yeah. It's not enough. This hearing and obeying, right? You must truly hear the message of God, which means hearing means internalizing the truth and obeying it. Now, when I say obeying it, immediately you start thinking about, okay, I'm done, done with you know, PG-13 movies and you know, I'm not, not going to eat any more fries you know, because those are bad for the temple, um, right? Amen, sis. That, no, fries to the glory of God, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. Hearing and obeying means, in this sense, the gospel message. I hear it and I obey it. What's the obedience? Belief. It's belief. I believe, I believe you, Jesus. And in time, because that seed is real, and because you have received that seed, the word, then what happens is inside out transformation. Not outside in religion. And what that means is patience. What will happen? A fruitful life. Is it the fruitful life that saves you? No. It's a fruitful life that reveals that you have received. Is it a fruitful life that determines whether you're going to be in the family of God or not? No. No. A fruitful life shows that you are in the family. It reveals what is going on in your heart. Hear the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. It's always of faith. What the seed's doing in that moment and in this parable is it's revealing what's going on in your heart. So, now let me ask you though, and then we'll, we'll be done very shortly. Is there something that's clear in Scripture that you know but you're not obeying? You just know. You've read it. You quit going to that section. You just cut it out. Not really, because you don't want people to see that in your Bible. But you just avoid it. Is it forgiveness? Is there someone in your life that you're unforgiving towards? Today's the day to obey. Is, is there someone in your life that you know you need to work towards reconciliation with wisdom? That you're unwilling because you're, you're just stiff-necked hard-hearted, right? Is there a pet sin you have that you know you need to confess and turn from? But you, you don't. You coddle it, hoping it won't devour you. It's going to devour you. Why? Because the Word of God's clear, right? Do you have, potentially, because of a trial, a bitter heart towards God, and you've embraced it? It's time to turn from that. It's time to confess that. It's time to, to ask God to bring healing, to bring revelation, to show you he can be trusted, to draw near to the throne of grace of, and receive him. Are you, are you a slanderer? Are you a gossip? Are, do you have hardness of heart? Are you prideful? I'll tell you right now, the prayer you should be asking is, Lord, reveal to me, reveal to me my heart. And if you ask him, he will do that. And, and when he does it, can I just tell you, it's kindness. He's not revealing it so that he can punish you or hurt you. Can, can I just, gosh, I pray this often for you. If you could just believe right now that if you're in Christ, you're trusting in him, there is no more wrath for you. You could just come to him and say, Dad, I just feel distance. And I know it's not because you've moved. It's because I've moved. Show me what's keeping me from you. Oh, give me ears to hear. Give me faith to obey. Help me to turn. And come, come home. 
and, and restore that relationship. Oh, he'll do that. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because you're his family. You're his, do you believe that, though? Do you believe that? I hope you do. Three quick things, and they are going to be super quick. So you ready? Pay attention. What do we do with this? Well, I think you have enough to work with. But I also want to talk about a missional component in a sense. We should always be actively listening. We should be praying for a receptive heart here. We're a worshiper first. We give from the overflow of life that God has given us. And and by God's grace, we obey. We're a worshiper, right? But then as we go, we're praying for God to to go before us and prepare the, the soil of the hearts of the people we come in contact with. I'm praying for that all the time in the city of Greensburg. Lord, just cultivate a heart of desiring to know you and to hear you and to love you, right? Because we're asking for miracles. That's what we're asking for in those moments. And then generously scatter the the word. Don't think that person never will hear me. You don't know. You don't know what's going on in the heart. So just, just be a person who, you know, you're working to give them the word of God. You're working. That's the work. It's toil, right? And you do that. Why? Because this is what it looks like to be a fruitful, faithful family. That was a bad transition. This is what it looks like to be a fruitful and faithful family. This is what the family does. How do I know? Pay attention to Luke. It's exactly where it's going the rest of the way. Jesus is going to say, you heard me talking. You've watched me do it get going. It's where it's headed, right? And that's his desire for us right now. He has not changed. He's not changed. His word is still powerful. He delights to save people. Will you believe that? Will you trust him? Will you join him in that work? I pray you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your your grace, for your love. Lord, I just pray that you would have your way with us. Lord, that you would give us heart that just longs to hear you, longs to obey you. Lord, make us a fruitful people. Make us a faithful people. Give us a desire to know you and to obey you. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.